I am excited about this series called Jesus. Jesus. That's right. Um, and the purpose of this series is actually to introduce you, hopefully, to a deeper, more intimate relationship with Jesus. Because we know about the name, yeah, Jesus, but what we want to do is look at different attributes or facets of the name of Jesus over the coming three, four weeks that help us to a greater, deeper understanding of actually who Jesus is. Because most people in the world have a flawed view of who Jesus is. Based on TV shows or, or pictures, you know the, the, the picture of the white pasty Jesus? The vegetarian Jesus, oops, um, and, and how Jesus just there, oh, it's like, it's, it's a wrong image of who Jesus is, maybe based on experiences you've had with other um, Christians or, or other churches, we can gain, gain a flawed view of who Jesus is, but what we want to do in this series is set the record straight, help you to understand who Jesus is, because your understanding of Jesus will determine the way that you relate with Jesus, and so that, that's what we're going to do over the next few weeks, and also what we want to do is recognise that it's Jesus' name that brings us together. And so one of our key scriptures is from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 1 to 2. And I rarely use the message version, but I'm going to use it today because I think it puts it in a really good view. And this is a, a, a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth that he planted, that he started. And so he wrote a letter to them. And he said to them, You remember, friends, remember that time when I first came to you to let you in on God's sheer genius. He's talking about the sheer genius and the wisdom of God in the gospel. The good news of God coming and becoming a human being and being crucified on the cross. When I first came to you to let you in on God's sheer genius, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches and the latest philosophy, which Paul could have because he's very articulate, he's very smart, he's intelligent. He could have impressed them with all his long words and his great theological um, speeches and things and you know in, in, and, and so for us as a church we just want to make things simple just like Paul he said I didn't come to impress you with all of these polished speeches and the latest philosophy but I deliberately kept it plain and simple first Jesus and who he is and then Jesus and what he did Jesus crucified you see what what, what we, we want to do just like Paul is we just want to make it simple we don't want a 20-step plan to your best life now. We don't want to engage in deep philosophical talks. We don't want to necessarily give you a great theological sermon which will leave you walking away going, wow, that was deep. Yeah, that was really deep. Do you know what it meant? No, <laughs> but it was deep. It's like we, we don't want to make things deep or polished or spectacular. We just want to make things simple because we want to help you. We want to know Jesus more. That's the whole point of what this is all about. And so for us, this is what our aim is to help you to get to know Jesus better and to remind us what brings us together. It's pretty evident that right now there's a lot of division in the world. Well, we agree. There's, there's all kinds of opinions out there. But can I tell you that, that we as a church have a distinct advantage. But we don't unite under a particular flag, under a particular political party, a, a particular social position, but we unite together under... One thing, and that is the name of Jesus. Galatians chapter 3, verse 27 to 29 says, All who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. Putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female, X versus Y, whatever parts of the aisle you might be on. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. 
You know, I hope that we are actually church, which means just a gathering of people that have all kinds of different opinions because we want to reach people, not just people that agree with us, but people that disagree with us. We want all kinds of opinions. We want, we want to be the most colourful people in the world. In fact, in Revelations, it talks about how every tribe and tongue and nation will be gathered in one place under the name of Jesus to come up, lift up Jesus' name. We, we, we want our church to be full of people who disagree about a lot of things, but agree about the main thing, who agree about Jesus. You know, some of you might be Dockers fans. I'm going to have a prayer for you at the end of the service. I'm going to invite you to the front. It's got anointing oil. We've got some scissors. <laughs> but you know what? You might wear your Eagles Guernsey. You might wear your Dockers Guernsey. But you know what the truth is? Just to break, just to break some lies over here, even Dockers fans will be in heaven. Um, granted, they'll be out with this weeping and gnashing of teeth, but they'll, they'll make it. Um, but, but the truth is, you can leave your Dockers Guernsey behind, you can leave your Eagles Guernsey behind, whatever you wear. You know what, we all put on Jesus as our common Guernsey that we all wear. Our colours are Jesus. We put on the clothes of Jesus, and that's where we can be united into one. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 2 to 6. This is like countercultural, right? It says, always... Be humble and how often? Always. You mean even when I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Always be humble and gentle. Be patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of your love. So you can see the assumption in there that we're all faulty. Isn't it so annoying when you spend your good, hard effort and you buy something, you take it away and you unwrap it and you've got to use it for the first time. Ugh, it's faulty. Like, oh, yeah, we bought a soda stream a little while ago. We're like, getting ready, awesome, straight up, it's faulty. After two years, we still haven't bought it back. <laughs> it's like, who's got time for that? And it's so frustrating when things are faulty and it just gets you. Well, do you know what? We're all born faulty. <laughs> You and I have been born faulty, and what God invites us to be, so don't do it with each other's faults, but be humble and gentle and patient with each other, making allowance for each other's faults because of why? Because of our love. It says, make every effort to keep yourselves united in the spirit, binding yourselves together with peace. Make every effort. Do you know it takes effort to actually be together? It's so much easier to walk away from each other. When you're having an argument or a conversation, it's easier just to murder them, cross them out, cancelled, away. So much easier. But actually God says, no, no, no. Don't leave the easy road. Make every effort to be unified. Make every effort to humble yourself, to forgive, to get over your offence, to work. It's hard work to be unified together to keep the bond of peace. For there is one body and one spirit just as you've been called to one glorious hope for the future. I don't know what your hope in your life is. It might be left or right and everything in between. It might be here, there and everywhere. But you know what? We all share one glorious hope for the future. And that is beyond this life. As good as it is, it is painful. But we have a hope that beyond this life, we're going to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven where every tear will be wiped away. There'll be no more pain or death or suffering. And we share this one hope. This one glorious hope of the future. There is one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, and one Father of all who is over all and in all and living through all. 
And so this series, we want to know Jesus better, but also we want to be reminded that we, we come under, we've, we've, we come from all of our different backgrounds, but we can be united under Jesus' name. And so what I want to focus on tonight is, is one key attribute or thought about who Jesus is. And, and, and this attribute or this idea for me was something that really impacted my life in my early 20s and it really changed me. And, and the thought tonight is that Jesus is my best friend. It sounds like a shallow thing when I say initially, like, BFF, <laughs> best friends forever. You know, like, when it's that vibe, it's like, oh, no, they're not my best friend anymore. No, that's old news. Like three BFFs ago. Um, best friend for the week. Um, best friend when I feel like it, when you're shooting me. Um, but but Jesus, but, but at a deeper level, at a deep level, Jesus actually wants to be your friend. He wants to be your best friend. That is the heart of God. And I love this scripture in John chapter 15, verse 15. Jesus is talking to his followers and he says these words to you here tonight. Now these words changed my life a number of years ago. Jesus said, I no longer call you servants because a master doesn't confide in his servants. But now, now you are my friends since I've told you everything the Father told me. Jesus no longer calls us servants, but he calls us friends. And for me, this changed my life. I just moved up to Perth from Albany at 18 years old, away from a broken home. And although it was exciting in a new city and, and it was amazing and the possibilities are endless, I found myself in my early 20s, probably for one, two, three, four years, in significant seasons of great loneliness. Well, I'll be around people and life is fun. I'll be, you know, yay, woo. But then I'd find myself on my own a lot. That would be a lonely time. But it was right in this time that Jesus revealed himself to be, not only to be my father, God my father, but to be my friend, to be my best friend. And tonight we're going to delve a bit deeper into this. It's not really believe it's going to be significant for you, a, a life-changing turning point for you. And so I just want to begin by prayer and invite God to speak to us again. Just open up your heart to God. I believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is going to speak powerfully tonight. And so, God, we thank you that you're here, Jesus, just like you were with the disciples 2,000 years ago. And I pray, Lord God, that you bring the words that I speak alive and living into our hearts, God, and that in this moment, our lives will be transformed forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Awesome. So, there's a couple of things I want to draw out about this verse, is the difference between a servant and a friend. So the, the first point about the difference between a servant and a friend is one is distant and the other is near. When you think about a, a servant, or maybe you might think about an employee or something, the master keeps his servant at a distance in this context when Jesus was talking. There's the master and the servant, they have a distant relationship. It's a transactional relationship. It's, it, it stands, the master stands in authority and they live in different worlds, they think differently, they live in different homes or houses, and, and it's a distant, it is a relationship, but it's a distant transactional relationship. And the boss or the master doesn't share their secrets with the servant. They only give bits of information as far as it helps achieving the outcome or the objective or getting the job done. There's a distance in the relationship and not, not secrets. But a friend, however, isn't distant but it's intimate, it's near, it's close. 
And so when you think about a friend, then the master, or the, or the friend actually, not the master, shares the secrets of his or her heart. They don't just give out enough information, but you know what, Jesus or a friend, what Jesus wants to do, he wants to share his heart with you. He wants to share his grief with you. He wants to share his delight with you. He wants to share the secrets of his heart with you. He doesn't want just you to put out your prayers like a vending machine. He wants to hear the depths of your heart. He wants to hear the joys of your heart. A friend has closeness. A friend talks about nearness, the intimate details. There's no secrets. It's not about getting the job done. You know, for me, I've had a few bosses over the years, and some are great, and some haven't been great. And I'll share certain bits of information, but I won't share everything. But, but with, with Jess, who is my best friend on earth, I'll, I'll share everything with her. Everything of my heart with her, the ups and the downs, because there's an intimacy, there's a relationship with her. And this is the kind of intimacy that Jesus longs to have with you. Not a distant, transactional, impersonal relationship, but a loving relationship where God is interested in every detail of your life and he longs that you share that and that you would listen to the things of his heart as well. The other thing about a servant and a friend is one is legal and the other is loving. One is a, a legal relationship, if you like. See, a servant lives and works within the letter of a legal contract according to rules and regulations, and the master or the boss treats them accordingly. There's boundaries there. There's, it can be a healthy relationship, but there's, again, there's distance, and it's based on a legal contract. A servant or a worker, they'll clock off at 9 o'clock, job done, I'm out of here, woo! And whether the job's finished or not. I'm paid from 9 to 5. I don't carry the responsibility of this place. I'll just do my job, clock on and off, and I'm out. Catch ya. But a friend is opposite. A friend's relationship isn't a contractual legal agreement, but it's based on love and authenticity, where a friend seeks to give to one another. Rather than taking from one another or a transaction, it's a mutual giving. It's a mutual give and receive relationship. In fact, a friend, when you talk about work, works even harder for a friend than a servant does because a friend shares your burdens with each other. A friend will share the burden and aim to get the job done rather than just clocking off at the end of the day. And this is the heart of God for us. Proverbs chapter 18 verse 24 says, A man of many companions may come to ruin, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And his name is Jesus. You know, you might have lots of friends. I don't know how many friends you've got on Facebook I have a couple of thousand, a couple of hundred. How many friends and acquaintances you have around? Some friends come in and out of your life as God's gift to us, actually, in every season. Some friends are good news. Some friends are bad news. I don't know about your siblings. I've got great siblings, and we're, we're quite, quite close over the years. But can I tell you, there's definitely been some times where I needed someone closer than a brother. And Jesus sticks closer than a brother. Jesus sticks closer than a spouse. Jesus clicks, cl- clicks and sticks closer to you than the most intimate of friend, and not just throughout seasons of your life, but through every season of your life. And so there's actually a reason why Jesus can be our friend, and it comes down to a theological term. Why Jesus can authentically be your friend, and it comes down to something called the theology of identification. The theology or the understanding of God has been as someone who, the theology of identification, what does that mean? It means this, it means Everything that you and I experience in life, Jesus has experienced too. He gets it. 
God isn't some distant, lofty God that's just like, well, get over it. Just, just coat, just poof, up off the floor. He's like, he gets it. He understands what you have been through. And that's what we're going to have a little bit of a look at, the ways that Jesus has experienced similar things to us. And then what, what is our response at the end of that as well? You know, the, the truth is that you develop an intimacy when you had shared experiences with friends, with people. For example, um, Jess and I, we lost a baby when we were pregnant and within the first year of our marriage. For us, that was devastating. We're able to have a, a shared experience. There's like an intimacy or an understanding that you gain when you've been through something that you might not have if you haven't been through, through it. I come from a broken home and I'm able to relate and understand those from a broken home. I'm able to relate with those who have had a, a, a mum die. My mum passed away at 52 years old. I'm able to relate with those who have hay fever. Put up your hand. Any, anyone, anyone here that, that suffer with hay fever? A few hands in the house. Yep. Mate, everyone's like, yeah, it's spring. We're like, <laughs> spring. Where's the rhino court? <laughs> Where's the nasonex? Just load me up with antihistamines, tissues, Kleenex. We'll pick. There we go. I know what you mean. Shared experience. In Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17, it talks about Jesus and it says, that's why he had to enter into every detail of human life. Then when he came before God as high priest to get rid of the people's sins, he would, already, he would have already experienced it all himself. All the pain, all the testing, and we'll be able to help where help was needed. You know, you're more willing to help someone when you're, oh, I know what that's like. I'm going to help you. God gets it. He knows what you've been through so he can help you with compassion. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. Thank God for that. Because I've got a lot of weaknesses. <laughs> but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he didn't sin. And so just a couple of ways that Jesus gets it. First of all, Jesus gets relationships. He gets it. He gets family. Hello? We're all, we're all being born into some kind of family. Whether it's a broken family, a mixed family, a whole family, and anywhere in between. But Jesus had six half-brothers and sisters. And Jesus gets the dynamic of messiness, of messy family. He gets it. Jesus was single. Hello? Jesus lived the single life. He gets it. He was tempted in every way, yet he didn't sin. He was tempted to fulfill his manhood urges in a way that didn't fulfill God. He was tempted, but he didn't do it. He, he was tempted to, in all kinds of ways. He was attracted to, to others of the opposite sex. He was, he was tempted in every way, but he didn't sin. So he, he gets it. Thank God he didn't give in to the temptation. Otherwise, he wouldn't be a pure lamb that would be sacrificed in our place. Thank God that he was pure throughout his life. Um, another way, another thing is Jesus, in a weird way, has been married. Not to like, you know, like, not like the, um, what's that movie called? Da Vinci Code, thank you. He wasn't married, but he was married, but he wasn't what he was. So the Bible says that Jesus is married to his bride, the church, which is you and I, the people of God. And one day, see, marriage is just a picture of the real wedding, which will be forever in heaven with God's people married to Jesus as the groom. So, guys, you're a bride. <laughs> and, and get your head around that. And, and, and so, but Jesus is, if you're like, married to a very unfair, he's been cheated on. 
See, we cheat. Adultery is when you, we commit adultery against God when we put other things as more important than God in our life. He knows what it's like to be cheated on. Jesus, and not at a light level, but at a serious actual level, he knows the grief. Jesus actually hurts. He feels it when we cheat on him, when we put other things above him. It grieves him. He feels it. He feels the pain. He understands what it's like. Jesus was betrayed. I don't know if you've been betrayed by your closest friends before, but Jesus was like betrayed in the worst possible way. First of all, Judas, part of his intimate friends of 12, sold him for pieces of silver, gave him up for death. Imagine being sold for like pieces of silver. Guaranteed, you're dead, you're gone. But not only that, Peter, who is one of his three closest friends, in his greatest hour of need, when he's, he's flat, the Bible says that Jesus was slaughtered at the cross. It doesn't say he was just pinpricked, a little bit of a tear falling down mm, on the cross. Like, uh, uh, ouch. It's like the Bible says Jesus was slaughtered like a lamb, was just mercifully, just unmercifully slaughtered. As Jesus was getting his flesh ripped off his back with whips, with, with bones and, and bits, of, bits of bones and, and other things there, literally, not, not skin, but flesh and must have been torn off his back in, in his greatest, darkest hours, he's facing death. In, in that moment, his humanity is just screaming out for some comfort. Some, he's, 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 just, he's just looking around. Maybe he saw Peter in the distance and Peter, instead of seeing people, his face, he saw Peter's back turning, saying, I don't know who Jesus is. I never knew him. I don't know. Three times. Betrayed him, denied him, his closest friend. I don't know if you've been... Like, we think, oh, yeah, but it was Jesus. But hold on. Jesus is human like you and I. He's tempted in every way, just the same needs, just the same desires. I don't know if you've been betrayed, but Jesus gets it. He understands what it's like. Um, People called him crazy. His own family (laughs) called him crazy. This is not on the screen, but Mark chapter 3, verse 21, it says, it says when his family heard what was happening, they were like, oh dear. They tried to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. <laughs> Come on, Jesus. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> Come on, Jesus. <laughs> Awkward. Okay. Sorry about Jesus again. I don't know if your family's apologized for you. You felt like that? People called you crazy? People that are supposed to love you and be your advocate before you, believe in you? Jesus gets it. He gets relationships. Another thing that Jesus gets is normal life. <laughs> Can I hear you name men to normal life? Who lives normal life? Can I see your hand anywhere who lives normal life? That's it. Well, do you know what? Jesus lived normal life for 10 elevenths of his life. So he lived for 33 years. After 30 years, his first miracle was 30 years. 30 out of his 33 years, he lived a normal, everyday life with all the same battles. We get, the, again, the picture of Jesus. That he's just a poo, 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 down the cross, miracles, resurrection. But you know what? 30 years of his life was a normal life. Actually, he was a carpenter. So 12 years old, apparently, um, Jews, that's when you become an adult, at 12 years old, he would have entered into his father's business which was as a carpenter. So from 12 years old to 30 years old, 18 years, that's six times his ministry life, he worked as a, as a carpenter. So he, he knows what it's like to deal with customers. He knows it. He gets it. Oh, it's you again. Okay. 
yes, yes, I know, yes, I know. It wasn't cut straight or whatever. He knows what it's like to deal with customers. Jesus probably dealt with bad customers. He, he dealt with numbers, probably finance. He paid his taxes. Jesus had bills to pay. I mean, he, he probably would have paid for the, the timber. And do you know what can I just say? Jesus would have worked hard. See, carpenters these days have got nail guns. Jesus didn't have a nail gun. We've got like, you know, sandpaper. Jesus like, we've got bandsaws. Done. Jesus is like, I reckon Jesus was a man's man. I reckon he's fit. I reckon he would have Instagram. He would have been an influencer. <laughs> like Jesus gets it. Jesus gets, he gets work. It's not unspiritual to work. It is good to work. We're actually thinking of doing a whole series of work next year, by the way. Work is good. Um, he gets life. And you know what Jesus did? He lived under the rule of an oppressive government. He lived under a, a legit dictatorship. The Roman Empire, who ruled by an iron fist, all kinds of rules and regulations and oppression. Jesus got the whole political thing, and this suits me and it doesn't suit me. Jesus, Jesus gets what it's like to live normal life and all the dynamics that come with that. Um, and lastly, Jesus gets pain. He gets it. Jesus understands and he gets pain, both, both emotional and physical pain. Isaiah chapter 53 verse 3 it says this about Jesus. He was despised. And just that enough. I don't know if you felt like despised before. Like, ugh, 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 just despised, you know. Not many of us have, I don't think. Maybe, maybe now, I don't know, maybe in the past. But Jesus was not only just like, oh, I don't like you. But he was despised. He understands what it's like. He was rejected by mankind. He was a man of, of suffering. Jesus didn't, again, skim the surface when it comes to suffering. He, it says he's acquainted. He was familiar with pain. It, it was, he was almost like friends with it. He's familiar with pain. He was acquainted with grief. He understands suffering. He gets a life of suffering. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was despised. Have you had... Have you had, and we held him in low esteem. Have you been overlooked? Have you been held in low esteem, disregarded, overlooked, forgotten, neglected, cast aside? Who are you? Hey, what? Say what? Hey? Not paid attention to, not valued. Jesus gets it. He understands. He's familiar. Jesus would experience rejection because he was born into an illegitimate family. Mary wasn't married. He probably would have been made fun of at school or whatever by his, by his friends, who's man of sorrows. He may well have cried himself to sleep. People literally spat in his face. They despised him so much. They, they, they spat in his face. He was falsely accused. Have you been lied about or falsely accused? He was misunderstood. Jesus was treated severely, severely by people around, you, around him. And Jesus gets it. He experienced deep physical pain. You know, Jesus could have came and died for us any other time in history except this time when capital punishment was at its worst. 
He could have came to the United States, come when there's just a lethal injection, you know, but, but he came instead to, to die for us when capital punishment was, was at its pinnacle. The Roman crucifixion was intentionally designed to inflict the most pain for the longest time possible. Now, just make it really graphic. I'm sorry, please forgive me, but can you imagine, you know how you just you, you hang a painting up on the wall? That's literally what they did with Jesus. Imagine hanging a human on the wall, a living human. Sorry to get a bit graphic, but imagine getting a human and just, just hanging them on. I'm just going to nail this big, this big nail into your hands and hang you on the wall and into your feet as well. This is after they've torn the flesh off Jesus. Jesus, he gets, he gets pain and excruciating death. He died for you and I. And so what is our response to Jesus, who cares for us, who loves us, who, who gets what we've been through, but he's been through so much worse. But he has great compassion for where you are at. Our response is, number one, is just to make him our best friend. It's just to make a decision and say, God, I make a decision to go, again, not in a light way, but God said, I, I make the decision to make you my best friend before you, God. He wants to be your best friend. Some of us might need to change our relationship status. Um, next year, I mean, next week, I've got the privilege of marrying DC and Matea. Come on. So that would have been three weddings in five weeks um, that I've been able to marry um, someone. It's been phenomenal to see people meeting together. I think it's six weeks, six couples that we've had meet in this church for the first time and then be getting married. It's phenomenal to see what God is doing. So let that be a little tip for you. Oceans, there's many fish in the sea. Amen? All right, you've landed in, this, in the right place. You've landed on the right boat. Okay. Just distracted myself. It's a beautiful thing when people get together to share a life together. Do you know what they do the, day, the night or the day of their wedding? They change their relationship status on Facebook. Boop. Married. You know, some of us need to change our relationship status with Jesus. Rather than religious relationship, friend. I accept your friend request, Jesus. I want to be your friend. I don't want to just share the sanitized version of my life with you, set my privacy settings so high that you can only see a picture I posted 10 years ago. But I'm going to show you everything. All my past. All what's going on in my life. I'm going to accept. I'm going to put no restrictions on my friendship with you. I'm going to, I'm going to invite you in. I'm going to let you in and change the friendship status, relationship status with you on my life. Is that echoing? Do you want to stand back? Is, hello? One, two. It's all right? Okay. Um, you know, for me, this is, this is what I live for. What, what I live every single day of my life for is the moment where I will see Jesus face to face one day. I, I know him in my heart. I know him and I love him. He's my delight. He's my joy. He's my safety. I'm sorry, but I need none of you. <laughs> because I need none of you, I get to love you freely. But, but I, I, love no, I, love, I, I need no one. I have everything I need. I love Jesus so much. I hear him. He speaks to me. He whispers to me. He shares his heart with me. He comforts me. He corrects me. He gives me to whack up the butt sometimes. He reminds me. He gently, he's, he's, and do you know what? I know him, but I, I can't wait to see him. I love him so much. And I, and I live for that day. Every single day I live 
for that day that's coming really soon where I get to see him. One day we're going to see him. It's going to be awesome. So second thing for us to do is just to talk to him. Decide for him to be your best friend. Talk to him. You know what you do with your best friend? You talk to them. You might just be, have a texting all day relationship, I don't know, or inbox, or phone call. To me, I'm always on the phone to Jess, my best friend on earth, my, my wife. On the phone to her, I text her, we're talking. And can I just suggest to you to talk to God normally, not just formally? Everyone say, normally, not formally. Let's be normal, right? Oh, Lord Jesus. It's like, actually, I like a bit of mix of both. I have some formal times. I like to... I like to keep like a regular appointment, like time with God every morning. I, I, I so look forward to those. They're the highlight of my day. My, my day starts and finished in that moment and I live the rest of the day out of that moment. I love spending time with God, prioritizing it. I'm carving some time out in my day to spend with Jesus. But then I talk to him sort of semi-formally, but normally, but not. But, so there's a formal appointment, but then you talk to him normally. Just share, whisper, chat. What do you think? Can you help me here? I'll pray for that person here. Talk to him normally throughout the day. Hebrews chapter 4, 16. I love this scripture. It says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. Let us come boldly. Let us come with confidence. Not shrinking back, not awkwardly, not timidly, not like, oh, maybe, maybe, maybe. Maybe I need to clean my life up and then I'll be able to be ready to God. God says, come to me as you are. Come boldly. Come, come confidently. Why can we, we be confident? Because it says, to the throne of our gracious God. God doesn't want us to come to him so he can kick us, so he can punish us. He wants us to run to him so he can help us. He says there, there in the presence of God, we will receive his mercy. We'll find grace to help us when we need it most. Mercy, what is mercy? Receive his mercy is not getting what you do deserve. Do you know that every second that you live is you not getting what you do deserve. Can I just be a little bit blunt here right now? Please forgive me. I'm just being a little bit raw. But what we actually deserve from God is to be cut off from Him forever. We don't deserve our next breath. We deserve God as a just and loving God. We actually deserve to be punished for the damage we've caused other people with our selfish decisions. That's what we deserve. But God in His mercy withholds his just punishment. But not only that, does he withhold what we do deserve? He gives us what we don't deserve. So we deserve this, but but over and above that grace is God giving us what we don't what we don't deserve is our we take it for granted our next breath. What we don't deserve is another a day. But not only that, God gives us his forgiveness. He gives us his grace. He gives us his spirit. He provides for us. He protects us. He gives us friends. He gives us houses. He gives us roads. He gives all these things a reflection of the goodness of God. God gives us his mercy. He gives us his grace. And he gives us his help when we need it most. Some of us think that we need God to help us when we're kind of not at our worst. We can kind of collect ourselves and get us back up to some kind of equilibrium. But, but God's not interested in that. He wants to meet you at your worst. Sometimes we think, and it grieves me when I talk to people, and they say, I'm at my worst, so I've just taken myself out of church for a while. I'm like, no! No, 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 no. 
Jesus, Jesus says, come to me when you're at your worst. Come to me. Come to my throne. I want, I want to take you at your worst. He wants to meet you in your worst. And he wants to help you out. No matter how deep the hole is, no matter how bad it got, Jesus loves you so much. He says, come to me. The answer isn't out there. Don't press pause on the answer and, and go to, don't press pause on the, on the crystal clear, beautiful water that Jesus wants to offer you and go to the muddy waters for, for answers. He's saying, come to me. I, I will give you a drink that'll leave you with, with a thirst that'll be quenched. You go for a drink out there and your thirst will never be satisfied. Come to me and you have, your thirst will be quenched. You'll never need another place again. If you're trouble, if you're in trouble, run to God. Can I encourage you? Come to church. Pull in, don't pull out. And we want to give you a safe place to belong here. At your worst, we love you. We'll take you. You can be family here. And thirdly, and finally, trust Him with your life. Trust Him with your life. Trust Him. Trust Him. Trust Him with your life. See, I don't know if things aren't turning out like you hoped they would and things aren't turning out the way that you hoped or that they planned right now. You know what we can be tempted to do when things don't plan, pan out the way that we intended and we hoped and we wanted to? We're like, all right, try the God thing. All right, okay, God, you had your time. <laughs> it didn't turn out the way that I wanted it. So I'm just going to take the wheel now, thank you. I'm just going to pry your fingers off the wheel and I'm going to get back in the driver's seat and I'm going to direct this thing. I might be having the car, I might wear the Jesus badge. <laughs> Yay. Um, but I'm actually not going to trust you. But what Jesus says is, no, 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 trust me with your life. You know, we just bought a, a car a little while ago, a Kia car, and it's got a safety feature that it, it helps you stay on the road. Um, it, it identifies the sides, other side of the road. And I tested it a few times. It's fun. But you take the hands off the steering wheel, and when you kind of, like, veer towards the left or to the right, it... kind of brings you back on the road. So that's awesome. I get five hours sleep from Perth to Albany. It's awesome. No, no. I've actually tried to test it. What's the sharpest corner I can go around <laughs> without it? Anyway. Um, <laughs> slightly reckless, but do but you know what the truth is? God wants you to recklessly take your hands off the wheel. He wants you to recklessly abandon your life into his hands. He's trustworthy. He's going to keep you on the road. He's going to lead you down the paths of life. He's not out there to destroy you or to steal from you, to take you, to ruin your fun. Jesus said that's the devil's job, to steal and kill and destroy with all his seductions and his lies. And this is the way Jesus is like, forget it. Follow me and I want to give you abundant life. But you've got to recklessly abandon yourself to Jesus. Trust your friend. Trust Jesus with your life. And so what I want to give us is just a moment right now. Well, you before God can say, Jesus, all right, be my best friend. Things haven't panned out. Be my best friend. I'm going to open the driver's seat. I'm going to get out of the car. I'm going to get in the passenger seat. And I'm going to talk to you. But you're in control. I'm going to change my status. I'm going to wreck. Do you know what? I just dare you. I dare you to recklessly abandon your life into Jesus' hands. Let me tell you, your life will never be the same again. So why don't we just all stand up together? You've done so well in this heat. Why don't we just give each other a little pat on the back? You've done, you've done really, really well. <laughs>
you, you guys at home, you're just there in your aircon, you know, it's, it's great, excellent. But we're, we're the real Christians, aren't we, hey? <laughs> Everyone's welcome. <laughs> Let, let's just, for, for me, it, it can be so simple, this moment. But I just believe it's so significant, this moment, this invitation. So why don't we just all close our eyes, cross this room, maybe online as well. Just make this moment between you and Jesus. Why don't you just come before Jesus right now? And why don't you just make the decision in your heart? Jesus, Jesus, I, I choose to make you my best friend. I choose to get out of the, of the driver's seat. And God, I give you the wheel. I recklessly abandon my life into the safest place it can be. And Lord God, I, I want to talk to you. I want to engage with you. And Lord God, I, I just pray for every single person in this place, Lord God, every single person that's going through a relational difficulty right now, whether it's family dynamics, whether it's rejection, Lord God, whether it's the pain of rejection, whether it's physical pain, Lord God, right now, why don't you just even lift your hands to God just to receive from your spirit. It's the life of Jesus that is here right now, and he wants to minister to you through the power of his Holy Spirit. He wants to, like a heat-seeking missile, he wants to find your point of pain. He wants to find that place identification, whether it's bills, whether it's finance, whether it's the pain of, of customers or study, whatever it is, God loves you. He loves you so much. And right now, it's the mercy of God. And right now, it's the grace of God. And it's the help of God, like a heat-seeking missile coming to you. The Bible says, draw near to God. He'll draw near to you. And so right now, just release the power of the Holy Spirit. I release the healing of the Holy Spirit. I release the life of Jesus. I release the provision of God. Right now, I lift up every burden that people are carrying. Every burden that people are carrying. And Jesus, I thank you that you said, give it to me. Give your burdens to me and I'll give you peace. And so right now, Lord God, we lift our burdens, Lord God. Our worries about the future, Lord. Our worries about the big picture of things that are happening around us, Lord. Our worries about the past, Lord God, about guilt and shame, Lord. All of the, the burdens, Lord, and the things that weigh us down, we give them to you. We put them on you, Lord. And right now, I declare every demonic power to be broken in Jesus' name. Every lie of the enemy to be defeated right now, to be disarmed. I just declare every, every bit of spiritual warfare, I, I declare a holy disarmament of the enemy, whether the enemy's rise of a, a battalion of attack against you. I just declare that this army is disarmed. The power has been denied. It's been disarmed and deleted by the power and the authority of Jesus' name. And I thank you for your comfort. I thank you for your strength, Lord God. I thank you for your peace. Released in this place, Lord. Just receive from God. And let's just sing this song again. Your name. Your name is power. Your name, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.